Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Let us pray. Lord, this Easter morning, I pray that you would allow us to know you afresh and to know you in a new way. We are seeking hope. Lord, let us find that hope in you and in you alone. Lord, let there be many today who would call upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the first time. And Lord, I pray that today we would marvel at your love, your forgiveness, and your plan. Lord, help us to live as faith-filled disciples of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, this is certainly not the Easter that I expected or planned for. For many of us, for many Christians, uh, Easter is not one that, uh, Easter is not a day you want to spend at home. Easter is a day you want to be together with fellow Christians, with, with many people corporately celebrating. And so there's some disappointment today. But I want to remind you that Jesus is as alive and risen today as he was that first Easter morning. Easter is the day that changed history. And we can have a new set of expectations for life, for salvation, and for eternity because Jesus is risen. Easter changes our expectations. And our expectations deeply affect how we understand our lives and our circumstances. You and I need to live life with Easter expectations. I want to talk about expectation a little bit, get you to think about that word and what it means. Because expectations change how we look at everything. When I was growing up in the Walker household, we had a family dog named Anna. And Anna was a yellow Labrador retriever. Um, I believe her official name that we actually put on the, the certificate of registration was that she was to be called Happy to Be Here Anne. And that description described that dog so well. She just loved to be with us and to be with people. Anna, our yellow Labrador, was really well loved and she was a bit spoiled. Uh, we had all kinds of routines that we did every day with her uh, that she just loved. And one of those little routines was that every day she would get a little bowl of Cheerios and milk at breakfast time. She, she had a regular dog food, but she also got this little bowl of Cheerios and milk. Anne had a special little clear glass bowl, perhaps the size of a teacup, just a little bigger and wide enough, obviously, for her to be able to, to eat out of. And she used the same bowl every single day. When we got the bowl down and, and clinked it on the counter, the dog could hear the sound and she knew it was time. And she, Anne would sit politely on the kitchen rug in front of the sink and, and wait in expectation. And she knew that her morning cereal was coming and, and she would just kind of bubble with anticipation. You could see the excitement in the dog. And uh, after she finished her, her morning Cheerios and milk, um, we would wash out that bowl and place it back into the dish cupboard. Heaven forbid if we ever forgot or served her her cereal too late, that dog would sit and stare at us with great longing. longing. Uh, morning Cheerios and milk was her routine. And she, know, she knew her bowl and she knew the sound of an opening cereal box. One day, during a visit from my grandma, uh, we had all had a meal together and we were in the kitchen uh, dishing up ice cream sundaes for dessert. 
and my grandmother decided that she didn't want a great big sundae. She just wanted a taste of vanilla ice cream and uh, chocolate syrup. She just wanted to have a little taste of that, not a whole big bowl. And she opened up the cupboard and spotted in the dish cupboard a small glass bowl about the size of a teacup and decided it was the perfect, perfect size for a small sundae, uh, just what she wanted. So Grandma set the bowl on the counter, and it clinked on the counter, and into the kitchen walked our dog. And Anne sat politely on the carpet in front of the kitchen sink, a little bit confused because she had already had her cereal for the day. But like any dog, who was she to turn down a second meal, a second breakfast? So Grandma scooped the ice cream, and the dog became mesmerized. I believe Anne thought she had struck, to, struck gold. Grandma is serving me a sundae. And then in went the chocolate syrup and the dog began to drool. Then grandmother crossed the line. She picked up the little glass bowl and instead of setting it down on the rug in front of the kitchen sink, Grandma walked out of the kitchen into the dining room and sat down and began to eat what was now clearly the dog's ice cream sundae. And our dog was pained. Uh, she had this look of just of confusion on her face, and she was sitting there politely trying really hard, but she was starting to shift her back feet around more noisily, and she was letting out whimpers. And then we all looked at her, and we looked at Grandma, and we laughed, and, and my parents explained uh, to my Grandma that she was using the dog's cereal bowl. Our expectations tell us how to interpret the events of the day. Anne, our family dog, knew to expect good things from that little glass bowl. That bowl was hers, and everything that was in it was for her. That was her expectation. That's how she interpreted that moment. And in my grandmother's defense, her expectation was that all the dishes in the dish cupboard were for humans, not for pets. It never crossed her mind that a little glass bowl that was in the cupboard would be the dog's daily cereal bowl. Think of what your expectations are for life and the people around you. Those expectations instruct you on how to feel about the events of the day. Your expectations are used, and they're what you use to measure how successful you are or how much you are falling behind in life. It's critically, critically important. It's critically important to have your expectations lined up with God's plan. If you fail to line up your expectations with God's plan, you will miss what God is trying to accomplish, and ultimately you will live a very unsatisfied life. If you seek to line up your expectations with God's plan, then you will be able to face whatever the day throws at you. I want to read a story to you of the first Easter, of the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to point out that their expectations prevented them from immediately receiving the good news that Jesus had been raised. That Easter day, they did finally understand that Jesus was alive, but it took a little while, and their expectations prevented them from understanding what God was doing right away. Let's go to Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, and read the text. Beginning in verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. 
But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Our story begins with a group of women traveling to the tomb of Jesus. They were heartbroken at his crucifixion. They waited through a painful Sabbath day, and now, at the beginning of the week, Sunday, they went to the tomb with spices to finish the burial process. Now, I do want to point out that we can learn an important lesson from these ladies about obedience and routine during times of distress. As I said, Jesus had been taken from them and executed in the most brutal, brutal and shameful way imaginable. These ladies had every right to be fearful, to run away, and to give up. But the passage tells us they observed the Sabbath, God's ordered day of rest. The practice of obedience and routine grounded them and carried them through this difficult time. It got them through the chaos. Do not forget how important routines are during difficult times. And right now we're in a time, a, a, a period of time, this, this crazy thing that's happening around the world, and all of our routines have been disrupted. If you're an essential worker, chances are pretty good. If you work, especially if you work in a healthcare field, that your off hours even feel as intense as your working hours. And if you're staying at home right now, chances are really good that all time has begun to run together. Make sure that you have some routines, good ones that you're doing every day. Maybe you need to start a new one. And I believe especially spiritual routines can be particular helpful, particularly helpful in getting through difficult times. Perhaps it's beginning your day by reading the Bible or ending your day by reading the Bible or having a fixed time of prayer, same time every day that you're praying or that you're practicing silence, some sort of routine that marks out your day. That's what the ladies did. They practiced Sabbath, and I believe it carried them through the heartbreak of losing Jesus See, after seeing him dead on the cross. But now we're talking about Sunday morning, Easter morning, and the ladies have taken spices um, to the tomb. And the fact that they took spices shows that they had in mind to complete Jesus' burial. Their minds were made up on what they would find. That's what their expectations said. Their expectations were that Jesus was dead and now they were going to go and find his body and finish the burial. That was what was in their minds and so they were not prepared to receive God's plan. The disciples are another set of characters in the story that have a different set of expectations that keep them from understanding God's plan right away. And uh, so the ladies expected to find the body and uh, they, they weren't prepared for a risen Christ. And the disciples, well, they had the same expectation that when you die, you're dead. But their expectations led them to become skeptics of God's plan and skeptics of the good news that the women were sharing with them. Within the disciples, we have the character of Peter in this story. He's kind of broken out as a separate character. And 
he has a struggle. It takes him a little while, but he's understanding that God is at work a little sooner than the other disciples. He begins to take tender steps of faith or t steps towards faith uh, as he runs to the tomb to see for himself what's going on. He's not entirely sure what's happened. He's not sure if he should be believing in the risen Christ yet, but he is certain that God is up to something. And a fourth category of characters in the story that have a set of expectations are the angels. The angels, their expectations are in line with God's plan. They're just bursting at the seams to celebrate. They cannot even conceive of why the women would have gone to the tomb. Their words are, why do you look for the living among the dead? I think there's a lot of people today that are looking in the drab and dull corners of life when Jesus has invited them to vibrant living. So let's take a moment talking about expectations, and I want to challenge you with the question of what happens to us when our expectations are not aligned with God's plan? What happens when our expectations for life, for ourselves, are not lined up with God's design and God's plan? And the first thing this story tells us is that when our expectations are not aligned with God's plan, we are unable to measure the moment correctly. That first Easter morning when the women who followed Jesus, uh, when they got to the tomb, they did not measure the moment correctly. They, they didn't have the capability to look at the situation and go, oh, the tomb's empty. We, we know what happened. We know that he's risen. No, they went expecting to find a body. It has not even crossed their mind that Jesus might be alive. That's understandable. They're working with the experience they've always seen in life, that when a person dies, they're gone. In the other gospel accounts, when they find that his body is missing, um, they still stay with the expectation of death, that death is, is final. In the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 20, verse 2, you have Mary Magdalene, that when she reports back to the disciples that the tomb was empty, she makes the assumption that someone has taken the body of Jesus. Her expectations have caused her to measure the moment incorrectly. Uh, and so... We need to be aware that our expectations uh, can color the way that we read the moments. And, and, and they have a certain expectation of how the situation works, and, and they misread the moment. And at least for a little while, these ladies, these disciples, they, they miss the celebration of, of resurrection. And your expectations and my expectations, they're often based on the knowledge that, that you and I have. And, and what we assume may not always be what is true. A little example is a story I read uh, earlier this week um, about Houdini. The story about Houdini goes like this. On one of his European tours, the master magician and locksmith Houdini found himself locked in by his own thinking. After he had been searched and then manacled with, with handcuffs in a Scottish town jail, the old turnkey uh, shut him in into the cell and, and walked away. So Houdini began to do his thing, and he, he quickly freed himself from his shackle, shackles, and then he went to the cell door to tackle that lock there for through the main door to the cell that he was in. Uh, but despite all of his efforts, the lock wouldn't open. 
He tried over and over and over, and he couldn't figure out that, what's going on. I know I'd unlock every lock in the world, but I can't get this simple cell door to unlock. Finally, even more desperate but completely exhausted, Houdini leaned against the cell door, and it just swung open wide. And he fell over into the corridor. Turns out that the turnkey outsmarted Houdini by just not locking the door. Houdini assumed that the door would be locked, and he spent a lot of time trying to get it unlocked. It was already unlocked. His expectations caused him to misread the moment. We also need to be careful not to let the present moment overtake our expectations. Many of us have been trying to make sense of what is happening in the world. Today's events and the, uh, the events over the last couple of months are, are sad and troubling, but they're not hopeless. If you're feeling hopelessness, hopelessness right now, I would suggest that the expectations by which you're measuring the moment are not in line with God's plan. We're probably even letting that moment overcome our expectations and overcome God's plan. Don't do that. Make sure your expectations are in line with God's plan. And then don't allow expectations that are not lined up with God to cause you to misread the moment. So a second thing that can happen if we allow our expectations um, to not be lined up with God's plan is, is that when that happens, it can give birth to skepticism and skepticism of God. Uh, Daryl Bach in his commentary on the Gospel of Luke says this, there's one feature about this account that differs very little from the modern world, and that is the skepticism there is about the resurrection. What is often lost in the familiarity of this account is the attitude of the disciples. They are skeptics of the resurrection of Jesus. Upon hearing the report of the resurrection from the ladies, the apostles, they just respond flat out with, with skepticism. It's a dangerous skepticism. Luke tells us in verse 11 that as they testify, uh, the women sound like they are speaking nonsense to the apostles. Sounds like nonsense. What a phrase to, to write down about how the apostles felt about the ladies' testimony. That doesn't sound too far from modern skeptics and their assessment of Christianity, that it's just nonsense. And this skepticism put them in danger of missing out. The resurrection consistently catches the disciples off guard, and they have a difficult time adjusting to the reality that Jesus is alive again. In the end, when our expectations are not aligned with God's plans, we end up missing out on what God is doing. The women who were the first witnesses to the resurrection take a little while to catch on to what God is doing, but eventually they get to be apostles to the apostles. The women, when they finally realize what God is doing, get to become the first evangelists. As a little side note, one of the main proofs that the resurre resurrection story is credible is the realization that in the first century, uh, women were not to be trusted as witnesses. That, that, that seems silly now today, but that's just how it was at that point in time. They were not considered a credible witness. And so if the resurrection was an invented story, you probably wouldn't want to write it with your first witnesses, your main witnesses being people who were not credible, in this case, ladies. Well, looking at the story, we realize that the disciples were far more skeptical than we'd like to think, and fear was a primary result. 
Instead of going to the tomb with the ladies, they were behind closed doors and they were hiding, wondering if they would be arrested next. But eventually they do come around. But at first, their expectations are not in line with God's plan. They misread the moment. They are filled with skepticism. And ultimately, they are filled with disappointment and fear, not knowing what God is up to and only trying to read the situation with the knowledge they have. So we probably want to ask the question, how do we line up our expectations with God's plan? If it's dangerous to have it not lined up, how do we line up our expectations with God's plan? And I would say the first step is faith. A step of faith, however small, is all it takes to begin aligning your expectations with God's plan. I want to give Peter some credit here. While the apostles are saying to the ladies that they are speaking nonsense, Peter chooses to jump up and run to the tomb and see for himself what's going on. These are Peter's first steps of faith. Now, it's not complete faith, mind you. The text tells us that Peter, he is amazed, that he, he wonders at what he sees in the tomb. He's not quite sure what's happened yet, but he's beginning to recognize that God is up to something. And these are the baby steps of faith that begin to transform Peter's expectations from tragedy to hope. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, after Peter declares Jesus to be God's Messiah, Jesus speaks these words to Peter. It's in Luke chapter 9, verse 22. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. The run to the tomb must have started to fuel hope in the possibility of these words. For each of us, whenever we take a step of faith towards God, we are letting Him align our expectations with His plans. However small the step of faith is, it will always begin to line us up a little more with God's plan. The second thing that can help uh, line up our expectations with God's plan is recognizing the Lordship of Christ. In Luke chapter 24, there is a switch in how Jesus is addressed, how he is called, how he is titled, and he is called the Lord, the Lord Jesus. And Luke 24 marks that Jesus is the one with authority, the divine authority over salvation. As the followers of Jesus address him as Lord, they begin to put aside their own expectations and begin to understand his plans. Lordship is critical for changing our perspective, for changing our expectations and lining them up with God. So I challenge you today, who is in charge of your own life? The more that you and, uh, and I are in charge of our own lives, the more our expectations will be out of alignment with God's plan. But the more that we're able to confess and live with Jesus as our Lord, the more he's able to reshape our expectations. The third thing from this passage I'd point out about how to line up our expectations with God is, is to know God's word. Luke begins his gospel with a word to a man named Theophilus. And he's reassuring Theophilus, ah, let me say that again, he is reassuring Theophilus that God's word is true. In Luke 1, chapter, Luke 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 4, uh, he says this, so he's writing, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. The more we know God's word, the more we trust in it, the more our expectations will come into line with God's plan. 
And so as we begin to close today, I want to share a couple of a little bit longer passages of God's word to, to remind us of God's ultimate plan. We often want to know what's God's plan for today, for the moment we're in right now. But we need to start with God's ultimate plan. And we need to understand that Easter morning allows us to hope for life beyond death. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verses 20 through 26 tell us this. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all may be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Easter Easter morning allows us to hope for life beyond death. Easter, the resurrection, tells us that death will be destroyed, that there is an eternity to hope for. Easter, Easter morning also allows us to dare for the hope that is written out in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, and these are the words you will find there. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death mourning, crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the, throne said, on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said it to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Easter, resurrection, allows us to dare to hope for the promises that we read in the book of Revelation, that we will spend an eternity with Jesus in a place where there is no more death, no more mourning, no more sickness. What are your expectations? And are your expectations in line with God's plan? Easter has changed everything. Jesus is risen. Death is defeated and heaven is our hope. Will you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and allow him to change your expectations, align those expectations with his plan? I want to close today with a prayer written by Peter Marshall. He bases it off of Matthew 28, 6, saying, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. And the prayer reads like this. We thank thee for the beauty of this day, for the glorious message that all nature proclaims, the Easter lilies with their waxen throats eloquently singing the good news, the birds so early this morning, 
impatient to begin their song. Every flowering tree, shrub, and flaming bush, a living proclamation from thee. Oh, open our hearts that we may hear it too. Let us, we pray thee, lead us, we pray thee, to the grave that is empty in the garden of the resurrection, where we may meet our risen Lord. May we never again live as if thou were dead. In thy presence, restore our faith, our hope, and our joy. Grant our spirits refreshment, rest, and peace. Maintain within our hearts an unruffled calm, an unbroken serenity that no storms of life shall ever be able to take from us. From this moment, O living Christ, we ask thee to go with us wherever we go. Be our companion in all that we do. And for this greatest of all gifts, we offer thee our sacrifices of thanksgiving. Amen. He has risen. Jesus is risen. Now go with Jesus. <laughs>